All right. So um, um, I'm just going to turn you over to Drew, my co-host, and he's going uh, he gonna to talk the beige and long way with you, man. <laughs> hey, Drew, red plastic bag. Uh, yes, brother. Uh, hi, hi, Drew, how are you? Hi, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bag. How are you doing today? I, I'm good, thank you. Mr. Bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a young agent, that's how I have to address him. I know, I know. <laughs> you respect. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good one, too, you know. I, I like that. Let me leave you guys alone. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking back. 42 years in the business, starting in 1979. You know what I mean? Who were some of your idols that you really look up to? that really got you into the, that made you want to choose the avenue to be a soca artist? Well, I, I have always said that I, I didn't choose Calypso. Calypso chose me because when I entered the competition in 1979, it was a fun thing. Although I was exposed to Calypso, Albert Trinidad, through a, a cousin of mine who would always go down to Carnival and would bring lots of the music back. And I fell in love with the music from Mighty Chalk Dust and people like um, Shadow, Sparrow, Kitchener. And I was actually amazed at how Calypsonians could uh, use language to tell their stories in some fantastic ways and also to capture history. So I, I got fascinated by it once I got into it and realized that, you know, maybe, maybe this, is, this is something that I can do a bit more of. And, and, and it went from there. When I went, entered the competition in 1979, I, I won that competition in 79, 80, and 81. And people around me started to say, you know, maybe you should enter the national competition. And I was scared, to be honest, I was scared. I said, me going into the national competition. But then I was encouraged by people like uh, Anthony Warren and Adderton Ford and Hayden Coppin. And I went into the national competition and won the competition in my first year. So everything just went on there. It was as if, a drum was beating a path for me to follow. And, um, and it just went from there. Uh, which song was it the first year you entered the competition that you won? That national, yeah. The, in the national competition was a song called Mr. Harding and one called Sugar Inter Made Us Free. Yeah. And those two songs uh, were the two songs that took me to the, the title in 1982. There was no competition in, in 1983. It was rained out. And I won again in 1984. I actually won my first five Calypso competitions. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Today I'm wearing red, and this is probably, that's only because you're here, right? Well, I, I, I'm I happy that you're wearing red. Red is a very vibrant color, my friend. I, I, grew up, <laughs> I, grew up, I actually grew up as a big, mighty Gabby fan. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember the years when you came in, I was like so upset. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I know. Plastic bag. <laughs> and, and the National Stadium will be just painted red. You yeah, know what I mean? But I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. I was also a fan of the Mighty Gabby before he entered the competition. Actually, I was always in awe of Mighty Gabby and people like Romeo. And it is because of my, um, the way I saw them that really energized me, really gave me a standard to, to reach for. And to, to be honest, having gone into competition or winning a competition from amongst those people, it, it, it took a few weeks before it could actually sink in, to be honest. Yeah, I remember Mr. Harding, but this is the song that really, you know what I mean, like captivate me. And I said, well, Mr. Plastic Bike, at that time, it was more like an RPB, knows what he's doing. Uh, let me get it here. 
Yeah, let me start the party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what I Tell me, tell yeah. me about that. Tell me about that. For those but that's, that's not, all. For those that's yeah. not Bayton, you weren't mm. real. You wouldn't know the real meaning behind that song. Yeah. Well, back in uh, in the eighties, we had a situation where there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Winston Hall who was um, convicted and incarcerated. And, and he escaped uh, on three occasions, I think. And I just thought I should make a song because it was a fascinating story surrounding this guy that he was able to escape and it was so difficult to find, to be, to be found, you know. And I just created this song, called him my brother, saying that I was looking for my brother, I searched every hall. And all those names that you're hearing, those are places in Barbados, by the way. <laughs> you know, Bank Hall and Rock Hall and Eagle Hall and Box Hall. <laughs> All those are places in Barbados. So I, I tried to, to um, make the, the, the whole the content of the song fit within the frame of the fact that he was probably all over Barbados and they couldn't find him. So the song became about March in 1987. Wow, wow, wow. That, that, that song was huge because, like you, like you said, those are places that's all over Barbados. Barbados is a very holy place. Yeah, and that song, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that song was recorded at Carl Studios in uh, C-Lots in Trinidad. Uh, working, with, um, working with that studio that he actually recorded in Trinidad between uh, 1983 and 1989 or 90. Uh, working down there with an arranger called Kenny Wallace. He's now uh, his past, uh, God rest in his grave. And he, he was an awesome arranger. I haven't done some work with Chalk Dust as well. And um, when he first heard the song, he said, you know, I, I like this song. I think, I think that we're going to make a hit out of this song. And, you know, so sad. It, it, it really did well for me. Yeah. You know, I totally, I totally forgot that that song won uh, Road March because you carry so much titles. You know, I mean, you have so many belts around your waist that I'm not even going to get there. <laughs> you know I mean, so after, was uh, Raga Raga after Winston Hall? Yes. Raga Raga was 1993. Ragaraga uh, came in a year when I didn't actually go into the, the competition. My wife was expecting our first child in that year, in 1993. As a matter of fact, my son was born on the night of the Calypso finals, on the, on the day of the Calypso finals in Barbados. I mean, maybe that's a moment. But, um, but, you know, that song came out of having gone to a place called After Dark in Barbados. You, you would, would know about After Dark, a nightclub, yeah. a popular nightclub um, there in St. Lawrence Gap. And I went to After Dark and I heard this song, I think it was by Tiger or, some, or one of those popular artists at the time. And this song was extremely popular. People were just jumping and singing this song. And 
All I tried, all I tried, Drew, I could not understand what was being said in the song. So I actually waited. I actually waited. On, I said a song as popular this, as this one must be played again. So I went close to the speaker to make sure that I could hear. But when the song came on again, I still couldn't understand. And what I, when I was driving home, I was, I was composing. And I said to myself, you know, I, I, I need to write about this because it sounds like raga, 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 raga to me. But obviously these songs were powerful because they were driving people into a frenzy. And I felt a little um, outside of the, 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 the lane, so to speak, not being able to translate what was being said. <laughs> yes, my mother not ever say me to wait and murmur that patient master right donkey. Oh, Briggy, Pinky John, oh man, fire my brain, what do you talk about? Just to me a fool, I said I can't ride with him. Ay, 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 yeah. Ride like, ride like, ride like what? Can do what I ride like a shot. Fool ya, fool ya, idiot. <laughs> Is that, is that the Tiger song you're talking well, about? Uh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, popular song uh, to me. To me, obviously, these, these fellas have actually captured the, you know, they, they are attached to the root of, of what audiences respond to. Because that, that song was extremely popular. I mean, the people were really responding. I, I just couldn't get my head around it. But obviously, uh, these fellas understand, un, understood at the time. I mean, even now, what, you know, how to... To really captivate the minds of people. Yeah. So who was uh, who was the producer for Raga Raga? Um, Nicholas Branker produced um, that song. He did an excellent job. As a matter of fact, I've been working with Nicholas since 1990. Until now, as a matter of fact, we're in the studio now, uh, trying to work on some music. And he has done an excellent job for my music over the years. And I, I really want to thank him for all the effort I put in in creating wonderful music around my work. Yeah, do you do all uh, your writing on your own or you have someone else that works with you? Yeah, I do all my writing. I actually write for, um, for others as well. I've had the privilege to write for people like Swallow and, um, you know, back in the day, I worked for Arrow back in the day. I, I've written for Alison Hines and, you know, uh, from Square One. I've written for quite a few people on um, Natalie Burke and, Terencia Curry. And I love to write. I I love Calypso. I, I love I love music in general. And but most of all, I, I like to, to sit down, conceptualize uh, a song and compose it. Okay, if, if you guys are just joining us, this is the gentleman that we're speaking to, Mr. Red Plastic Bag out of Barbados. And this is gotta be, I would say to myself, your number one hit. Howard Stretchcar played it before, but I'm gonna play a game for those if you're just joining. I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried and I know that something wrong. 
You you have found a way to uh, blend that soca and reggae fruit, and I'm gonna play something else for you before we get talking again. creative way of playing with the words well I, I like I just love to write and I, I believe that if you're able to exploit the literary devices you should uh, especially when you're you know the topics out there everybody's singing pretty much they're exposed to to all the topics out there so I try to look for creative ways to tell my story and I, I think uh, I just love language I, I think that uh, is a, a, an amazing thing when uh, you hear people at Chalk his angles uh, over the years, the songs that he actually composed, singing about all the political issues, all the social and political issues in the country, using lots of innuendo, using lots of puns and, and, and metaphors. And to me, that um, adds color to the, to, to the writing. And I, I love to do that. I love, I just love writing. And uh, I'm fascinated by by music uh, that that is of that um, that sort, the music that that make you music that will make you think beyond the surface, beyond the surface. Oh, I'm gonna take it back a little bit. You you said um you won your first uh, three competitions, and myself, I was a fan of Mighty Gabby, and you said you were a fan of Mighty Gabby and a lot of others, right? So going into that competition against those guys that you looked up to. You know what I mean? How, how was that? How did you prepare for that? Um, it, it was difficult. To be honest, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I was afraid. But I was awestruck by the fact that I was actually in my first year in a competition with these people who were already established, who were, I mean, pretty much dominating the airwaves. And even to be in the same dressing room area as these guys felt special. And um, even now, I... I look back at those times and, and say to myself, you know, I, I, I was really privileged at the time to have an opportunity to, to rub shoulders with these guys who, who are some of the, the builders of, of the, the Calypso art form in Barbados. And, you know, of course, you know, Romeo passed, 
But when I went into that competition, he was reigning Calypso Monarch. And, you know, winning a competition and, and you know, defeating someone like Romeo was, was a, a, a great feeling, but certainly a feeling, that, something that I, I never really imagined. As I said to you, I didn't want, his, I didn't choose Calypso. I just happened to be, to be, um, to be in Calypso, grew to love it and with all my heart. And um, I always say to people, respect the art form, you know? Yeah. Me, myself, I know. For those who doesn't know, could you tell them how many pick of the crop titles do you carry around your waist? Um, well, I, I won 10 pick of the crop titles. I actually went into 20 pick of the crop competitions and won 10. Um, I came second about five times as well. And, and a, a couple of times. I, I, I had a, a fairly good career, fairly good career in, in <laughs> good. some monarch competitions. I won two road marches. I also won two what we call um, groovy. Uh, we call them Sikh Monarch. I won two uh, Sikh Monarch groovy Sokomara competitions. Uh, so my, my career was okay. I, I had fun, but I, I think I'm, I'm over competition now. I had my, I had start, when I started, I actually had here. I no longer have here the competition can cause you to do oh, here. Drew, Drew has <laughs> company. Yeah, so. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Is this a major you know, thing? Um, uh, it, thing? It, yeah, I, it could be, but, <laughs> you know, but I had enough of the competition. Competition is good and the competition is bad. I think competition, it has, um, it has its place in our carnivals because it is a, a tradition, but you have to be careful with how you allow competition to shape who you want to be uh, as, a, as a musician or, or where you want to go as a musician because uh, you tend to, to write songs that fit what the criteria are. And if you, if you go down that road, then you become, you become too connected to a, a, a small lane uh, and, and you, you wouldn't be as broad in terms of your competition, uh, your composition. So, Around 1993, uh, in the year of Raga Raga, you realize that I started to do a lot more dance music because I worked out that if, I, if I'm going to survive, I need to broaden my, my base in, with, with regards to the music I was producing. And if I were most social commentary back in the day, um, they were parochial, they were connected to, to the, the local area that you were in. So most people were not able to, to understand a lot of the things that you were singing about. So I started to, to come more into the center, so to speak, to produce music that can appeal to wider audiences across the world. Uh, talking about music that appeals to wider crosses, um, people across the world, I remember traveling to different Caribbean islands. And you know, I mean, it's amazed that when you go to uh, certain islands, the sounds that you hear from artists, you know, that probably is not as in heavy rotation in the country where that artist is from. Yeah. 
plastic bag tunes like these are like man you know like you just you're right and just have a way could i have a question well, could i have a well, question um sir plastic bag mm-hmm. was that a true story where you was whining on the wrong woman uh no I, i just wanted to create an atmosphere about create the whole thinking uh i thinking around the view that lots of people have when they go out um into fat the field is other when and anybody mm-hmm. um but you know a guy said to me that you know bag you sang that song but you could have been speaking about me because <laughs> usually when i go into fat uh, and you know i i just whine on anybody and anybody. sometimes you know sometimes it, it feels better than you know than the usual whine yeah so, i hear you <laughs> So, so, so what I'm saying is that song was created out of people thinking that kind of way. And that song was extremely popular. It was, it was recorded by Red Boys. I'm sure you've heard about Red Boys. So they've been right. doing quite a bit of work in, in, um, in the Caribbean as well. Uh, that was in, in 2007. Uh, that song did quite well for me as well. All right. Sorry, Drew. I just wanted to know about how brave... Um, it's the plastic bag was. No, no, know. no. I, I, I'm not so brave. I'm not so brave. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, your writing is uh, very creative and it makes the mind. Yes, think. yes, yes. Makes you, you start, think. You start thinking a lot. And I remember this is, uh, I think, maybe about four years ago. I was in Barbados for Crossover. Uh, very, very popular. Okay, 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 Plastic Bag. Tell me, what's the meaning behind this song? Because the first time I heard this song, hmm. after you tell me your meaning, I'll tell you what went through my mind when I heard it. Well, well, first of all, you know that I'm not just going to sit down and write a song <laughs> about a boat on the water rocking. You know that, right? <laughs> you, know, um, you know, during that period, our country was actually going through a fairly tough economic time. 
And that song, that is really about the economy and, and the fact that we were going through some rough times. So I'm saying that every sailor must be tough. You got to hold on um, because you, you know, you got to stay on board. And basically that's what this song was all about. It really, was really a social commentary more than anything else. Well, most songs are social commentary. All the songs you can say that are social commentary anyway, but that one was very, um, very much, uh, you know, in your face from the standpoint of where we were economically at the time. As a country, yeah, because the first time I heard that song, that's exactly what I talk about, you know what I mean? The waters mm. are rough, you got to hold on tight. Every, every sailor this, place, this place is uh, going upside down. Right. You know, yeah. I, I believe, I believe this is why I, I I know that there's still a place for, for Calypso in its true form. Of course, things must evolve because um, young people who are coming into the art form, they are not, they're, they're dancing to a completely different drum. And the way they're going to express themselves is not the same way that I might have expressed myself back in the day. So we have to be patient and understand that young people are going to be doing it differently. But a lot of these young people who are singing these songs that in this rhythm that we call bashment now, a lot of them are singing social commentary in a very strong way as well. It's just that, that it is being done differently. But as a whole, I believe that artists who are involved in the soccer art form must think beyond carnivals. I think that what we have done, we have linked too much of our music to carnivals. Uh, now we don't have carnivals. You know, our music uh, is pretty much dead in the water. And I believe, I also believe that even during the pandemic, when people were looking for songs that appeal to the emotion, so it was found lacking because it, it is not broad enough. There's so many top songs that are about fets. There's so many songs that are about parties because the, the, the carnivals drive the music. It has to be the other way around. The music must drive the carnivals. So, and if the music is driving the carnivals, the topics would actually be broader. So we can sing about love, we can sing about the clothes, we can sing about anything. We don't necessarily have to sing jam and wine every single time because the music is pulsating enough that it can drive the people to dance anyway. So we just need to broaden our topics because look now there's no, no look now you can't you can congregate on the streets like you used to and there are no facts like they, are, they usually have. What, what are we going to do with this huge repertoire of, of music that is only jam and wine? So we need to strike a better balance in terms of the content of the music that we are producing. Good point. Good point. Very, Never heard very, it said better. Yeah, I'm very happy that you went down that avenue because that was the next question I was going to ask you. So after 42 years, what keep Red Plastic by going? Well, I, I love, I love um, the art form. I believe that the art form ha um, has a, a place in our society. And once radio stations and the powers that be in, in the society understand that they need to, to give the level of support to, to art and culture generally, because I, I think to a large extent, we have not embraced art with the same fervor that we embrace other industries. And the cultural industries as a whole, they make a significant contribution the cultural and creative industries make a significant contribution to the world economy. And, but for some reason in, in our region, we, we don't embrace art the same way that say Europe would embrace art. And I think it is, I think it is now that we need to give art its rightful place at the table, so to speak. Uh, because even now when you look at the fact that people are 
people are feeling down and out simply because of the fact that they're unable to go up. Music and art in general plays a vital role in terms of social cohesion, in terms of lifting the spirits of, of people, even now when there's a lot of psychological fallout. Music has a way of lifting music and art. Tends to, to, they tend to lift the spirits of people and socially, they, they, they bring about social cohesion, which is critical uh, when you're thinking of, um, of a social economy, so to speak. Yeah, I find a lot of the, the artists out there today, there are a lot of very talented artists out there, but I find like uh, when it comes to the writing and the lyrical content, it's very repetitive. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of uh, this like uh, microwave. I'll call it the microwave stuff. You know what I mean? It's good for this period. Of it's warm for this period of time and then it's gone. A song like Raga Raga or we could even go back to the days of Square One and the Crossfire. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like this news, it was party news, but yet still it was telling a story that would give you a good feeling and would last forever. Yeah, but why not? You see, the thing is that there's several factors affecting what we produce. I mean, it is not only just that it, the fact that it's being driven by a carnival, but lots of the young people who come into the art form, they, they, a lot of them do it for fun. A lot of them do it because it's, it's a way to get popular easier and they see it as, oh, I don't have to climb the ladder of success. I can use the elevator because once I make a tune, I can get it played on radio and it becomes popular and, and I can beat my chest for a whole carnival season. And, and, you know, I have fun. So, but, but there's another side, is the business side to the music. And, and I think that, that that is where we have been lacking, you know, someone, I think it's Jill Brown who has said that it is called show business, but we, get, we tend to get too caught up with the show and forget the business side of it. Not the business side of it. You know, so I, I think it's very important that we understand that, that, you know, the cultural industries and the creative industries, serious business, and we need to take them seriously. And you, you don't walk into a, 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 a surgery, put on a, a lab coat, you know, and say you come to, to um you come to, to try a thing. You, you understand what I'm saying? So why should you come into the into into art and culture to say I can try a thing? I mean, you yeah. have to take it seriously. There must be a certain level of respect and regard for the work that was done by by a lot of the stalwarts that went before, a lot of the people who, who actually paved the way. Uh, and, and created a platform for us. We need to to be mindful that we are we are we are walking on sacred ground, so to speak. We need to respect the art. Okay. Um. When when you look at a lot of the talent coming out of Barbados now, you know, what I mean, there's there's many artists, and me myself, I know if I had to say who would who carries the bat on moving forward, who do you see as one of those artists that you will say like? This guy has a bright future from the what he sings and the talent and what he brings to the platform of Soka Music. Well, there's several, there's several um, artists out there that are doing exceptionally well. I, I pay a lot of attention to what is going on and and the what we call the, the newest kind of genre. It's not not really new. To me, it sounds like fast dancehall. We call it bashment. There's several artists out there who are who are writing really well and perform. I don't let like the call names. In, in this regard, but there's several young artists who are doing very well. Uh, we have a few youngsters who, who are actually producing their own music, uh, producing quality music as well. But as I alluded to earlier, the problem with the music 
is always going to be the, the content, in my opinion. Um, contrary to popular belief, a lot of people believe that music, the, 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 uh, music, the music that accompanies the lyrics, people think that they're, they're, they're even in terms of representation. I somehow believe strongly that if I had to choose a side of that, I would have to choose the side of lyrics. I, I think that a song is, in my opinion, although the music complements the lyrical content, in my opinion. And yes, you need a good marriage, you need good music behind lyrical content, but I think lyrical content is critical. So the music that is being produced now, in my opinion, is great music, but I think that we have failed miserably in terms of the content that we have been producing. So yes, there are a lot of um, young people out there who are doing exceptionally well here in Barbados. I feel confident about the future of, of the, the music, what we have to try now to, to try to stem that flow of jump and wave and bacchanal and, and try to create a, a bigger balance, a greater balance between um, that and music that can appeal to, to um, wider audiences across the world. Okay, so after 42 years in the business, what could we look forward with all this, with this pandemic happening now, right now? What could we look forward from uh, Red Plastic Bag uh, going forward? What could we look out for? Well, I, I, I will always continue in soccer music. I probably wouldn't be out and about on, on the stage like I, I used to um, be. I, I actually um, believe that I'm going to get much more into writing. I would like to work a lot more with young people who are interested in writing um, not just soca music, but, but uh, music in general, so that the music that we produce can, can be a good, solid content that anyone across the world can actually appreciate because we are more than carnival. We are, we are more than bacchanal. We are, you know, we are broad, broader in our thinking, and I believe that the music that we, we create must reflect that. People argue that what we produce musically is a reflection of what is going on in our society. Why is that maybe true? I still believe that there's an opportunity. There, there are several people out there who are quite capable of producing uh, music that can be world-class. Okay, I'm going to get two more questions in before we uh, get going. Um, who is a red plastic bag on an everyday basis? Well, I am I'm a, a kind of a home guy. I, I like doing things around the house. I, I read, I write, I watch lots of television, lots of documentaries. Um, I'm a world affairs kind of person, would follow all the news across the world. I'm quite cognizant of what is going on around me. And, uh, you know, for those who are writing, I, I think that that's something that you need to, to think about, you know, re read a lot, you know, pay attention to what is going on around you because, you know, artists tend to, to paint pictures of what is happening in society around, around them. And um, if you're not aware of what is going on around you, you probably won't be able to write about it. Yeah, and my final question is, if, if you weren't red plastic bag, the Caluxonian, who would you be today? What do you think, what kind of career you think uh, you would have? That's a little scary, to be honest. I, I quite enjoy my life as a Caluxonian. <laughs> but, <laughs> but before, I actually did a nine to five, I did, um, accounts with with an airline from 1981 until 1995 um, when I decided to go full-time music 
And, you know, I, I don't want to even think about why, why I would be as a, as a, but I was, but I was growing up though. There were a lot of teachers in my area, a lot of policemen in my area as well. You know, at the time you didn't aspire to be, to be um, anything huge as they say, but you know, I, I, I like the ordinary um, man. I am very connected to the ordinary man. I came from very humble surroundings, very humble beginnings, and I'm still rooted in village life and in community. And maybe at the time I could have been a teacher, maybe a policeman. Yeah. Uh, but I am happy that I chose at the time, uh, once I realized that it was happening for me to be a Calypsonian because I became the more piece of many people who didn't get the chance to speak out. And I, I made the Calypso stage my parliament. And, and if you go back to my songs from way back, you realize that I, I tried my best to, to be a, a mirror in society, speaking out for those people who I consider to be from the low socioeconomic bracket, those people who don't get a chance to be heard. I wrote a lot about, um, I wrote a lot with those in mind because every time I write a song, I never saw myself on stage. I've always seen myself as being amongst the people. Yeah, okay. I, I see you as Officer Bag. As Officer Bag? Well, I, I, at the time I had the height. Because, you know, yeah. you, they always wanted policemen to be tall at the time. And I was quite tall from my, from my young. So, um, you know, it's, you know, it could have been, you know. Okay, thank you for your time, Bag. I'm going to turn you back over to Mr. Howard Stretch Kerr. Thank you, pleasure. too. It was a pleasure talking to you. A pleasure, always. Well, I don't have much questions to ask because he asked all the delicious questions, which was very interesting. And um, all I can say is that the, the Calypsonians are certainly the social commentators of the Caribbean. And I look forward um, to see who is whining and who and that they shouldn't be doing that. I totally love that song. So. Plastic bag, red plastic bag. I certainly enjoy talking with you and listening to your conversation with the young man. And I'm um, looking forward. I hope you guys make a, I, even the great Gabby, I hope you guys will make a trip here. Uh, you, you guys should put the thing together, uh, a, a Bajan side, and just travel the world for a couple of months, three months. Yeah, or well, that would be great. I think it's very important that, that the people of the Caribbean um, the artists in the Caribbean look seriously at, at how we're going to move forward post-pandemic, how we're going to, to move from just being in a normal set um, mm -hmm. to, to, to broadening our, our horizons with regards to the audiences that we perform for so that, you know, we can survive. I think it's going to be extremely tough. I think it's going to take another five years or so before things get back to any semblance of normalcy. Yeah. But because um, uh, there's no magic switch, there's no switch that you can just turn on and go right back to where you were. It's going to take some time because everybody, everyone has been affected financially. So promoters are going to find it difficult to promote shows as well. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that gradual movement back where we can do a lot of the, the performances overseas like we used to. But that, yes. must be, that must be the view across the Caribbean. Not only not only for um, soca music, but also for reggae, for music Everything. in general in the, in the Caribbean, yes. Yes, we miss that live entertainment. And yes. thank you, my brother. Looking forward. It's a, it's a pleasure. 
It's a now pleasure. I know who I'm going to hang out with in Barbados. For real, for real. Get out of the aircraft and come down. We, are, we don't quite well with the pandemic. We have done very well. Of course, we have a little spike now, but we have done exceptionally well as a small country um, right. with this pandemic. And um, we, we are going to beat this. Uh, we, are, well, we are going to work our way through it. And uh, we, are going to get, we are going to get back on track. Thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing you in Barbados. Okay, Drew, thank you. Have a great evening. Thanks, man.